It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of KWAM Radio AM 770 God Country, Texas, in that order. And I want to introduce to you my partner, my attorney, Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Doing great. Good. Um, we are going today uh, to discuss a topic that we never avoid, but never really get very specific about because we just talk in general terms when it comes to estate planning. And you felt it was very important today to address smaller estates uh, in particular so that we can address uh, perhaps the complications or the uniquenesses of a small estate because people will rationalize and they'll um, basically make a mistake and say, oh, my estate's too small. I don't need this. Certainly I need a trust. I don't even need a will. I just make sure everything, everything goes to my spouse or my kids and the house goes to them and I'm done. So I'm not going to waste the time or the money, even going to a Michael Cohen workshop or listening to this program when that could be a very big mistake. Yeah. So there's laws, as you can imagine, on what happens if you do or don't do anything. And quite frankly, the majority of Americans don't even have any will or anything. And there's a lot of things in place that says what happens if. So there's laws of what happens if. What happens if you don't have a will? <clears throat> what happens if you do have a will? Right. And how you have to probate the will, which means how the process is to say that the will is good. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's kind of talk about that just for a split second. Right. Um, and the reason why is because I just was just thinking about a client that came this past week. Um, in this case, Dad had just a very, very small bank account. It was like $5,000. That's a small estate. Um, Three children. Okay, no problem, right? But Dad only had his individual name on the account. Well, let's just think of it from the bank's perspective. How we don't, if we give away the money, how do we know that the person is telling us the truth? How do they know? We have to go by the laws. We don't want liability. So they need some protection. Now, in this case, um, the bank is requiring what is called a small estate's affidavit and order. So in Texas, if your estate, and this is your entire estate, including your home, is less than $75,000, then you could have what they call a smallest, and if you don't have a will, you could have a small estate's affidavit in order to transfer property to without even having to go to court. Now, you submit the small estate's affidavit in order with the court, so you actually file something, and then they see if it's done within the rules. Mm-hmm. So they have to be within the rules. So what are the rules? The rules are that all the 
beneficiaries have to sign off on it, as well as two disinterested people. Okay. Now, what's the problem, by the way, in the case that I just was mentioning? Two of the three kids get along. The other one is a problem. Uh Uh-oh. So we'll have to see whether they'll do this or not. But in this case, there was five thousand. All right, are you willing to get fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars, or what, are sixteen hundred dollars or so, by just having a small estate's affidavit in order? We don't know because one kid is just a problem. You know, oh, too bad Dad didn't have a will. Even now, you didn't probably with a will. You probably didn't wouldn't even want that with a small estate like that. You probably would rather do some sort of a, a paid on death or something like that at the very least. And let's not imply anything because the probate would eat up the five thousand dollars. I mean, because yeah, the cost of legal fees and court cost uh, eats up a good majority of that. So if that was the only thing you had, right, then you. You know, we would probably try to avoid, it would be best to avoid it if we could. Right. But the problem is, in this case, uh, first of all, there is no will. And even if you did, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, it becomes less efficient because of the cost. Mm-hmm. The uh, In this case, there was no will. So uh, we'll try to get the small estate's affidavit in order because the estate was small. Okay. And uh, so there shouldn't be an issue except for will the kids get along. Obviously, if Dad had done a little bit of anything, then this could have been avoided because now we have to pay the attorney and the court cost, go through that process dealing with a problem child uh, that could have been simply avoided if some little bitty thing, even a beneficiary designation, has been done. Sure. You know, I had another uh, – so that's what's called a small state's affidavit in order. Again, you have to show some different things like the proof of, all right, dad was born on this date and he was married to mom. Mom died and a pre, uh, you know, predeceased his spouse. Um, the children were born on this date and here's where they live and, and their, you know, what their story is if they're children of the same marriage. Uh, if the what the assets are, you actually list the bank account and the last digits of the um, few digits of the account number, and two disinterested people sign off as well as these uh, children, and then it's submitted to the court. Uh, once the court order has been signed, you send give it to the bank, and then the bank may to make the distribution. You see, so that's really sounds pretty simple, but you have to go through the process. And in this case, it could have been avoided, but at least there's a way mm-hmm. to get the funds. Very good. Now, let's say that the estate was 80000 Oh, no. Now you have to have, and there was no will. Now you have to have an airship determination. O-M-G. G, <laughs> uh, you know, we we say God on this radio station, mm-hmm. so uh, OMG, the G is for God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, okay, well, now you have to have. First of all, there's going to be an attorney representing whoever's seeking heirship, and there's also going to be an attorney representing the unknown heirs. And so now there has to be an investigation to see if there's any other people out there, and you have to go through the court to determine who the heirs are, and then every time you do anything, you have to get their approval. It's just a uh, kind of before you do something, it's going to be a lot more of an expense, 
on a small estate. Relatively, and not small estate as defined by Texas law, because we said a small estate without a will is 75000 in Texas. In my example, that was 80000 Well, it's going to be a very a lot more legal fees because you're going to have two attorneys in the courts involved over. This time, you actually do have to go to court. And it could be uh, who knows who else could be out there complaining and saying that there are a, a, it'd be a matter of public record. Uh, I think we talked about one time on the show how uh, when we filed something uh, with a court, a local court, and we got things from people all across the country saying that they thought they were an error because it became a matter of public record, and now things are online, and it's the information age. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden you had a bunch of legal fees because of all that. Uh, anyway, so that's a reason why you should do something. Now let's say, uh, on the other hand, Let's say your estate is larger, uh, you, you had a will, does it mean that you always have to probate your will? Okay, so here's another situation I talked with somebody this week. Um, wife died unexpectedly. Not old. She just died on a trip. Hmm. Uh, shockingly, she she was in her 50s. Oh, my. And um, uh, we looked to see whether she had a will. Uh, she did have a will. The only th- the, for a will, you need to probate things that are in her individual name. If there's no beneficiary designation, the only thing that was an individual in her name uh, was the IRAs or retirement accounts, which had spouse as her beneficiary. Now there were some things that were. If you had a joint bank account, it's just going to go to that joint account owner. In this case, that wasn't an issue for the surviving spouse. However, there was this home that they had bought together. Uh, Now, one of the things that we have to ask, uh, are the children born of the same marriage? So if the children were not born of the same marriage, so let's say that the spouse had died and had children from a prior marriage, to get the and let's say that her will said everything to my husband, including which includes the house, then you would need to probate the will, because under the laws of intestacy, well that's another issue. You know we talked about the uh, heirship determination laws of intestacy. They have things go, maybe not the way you want it to go. Oh, I wanted everything to go to my spouse, but I had children from a prior marriage, even though I haven't talked to them. Oh, that, those children might get some portion of my estate. Okay? Um, so here with the will, of course, you get to make, or a trust, you get to make your own, you say how you want things to go as opposed to the state saying how things go. Well, in the, if there had been children from a prior marriage, then you would need to probate the will. If there were no debts, there's actually two different ways to probate a will. One is to be, when there's no debts, you could say, I probate the will as a muniment of title is the term, okay. which means basically whatever the will says is the way it goes. The executor is not appointed. There's less work to do. It's a cheaper way to probate the will. In this case, however, the spouse, the children were born in the same marriage. So I told him, well, you don't really have to probate the will. Some people would say, let's just do it to get a court order. It's official. It's easier for a title company to recognize. Nobody's going to, you know, you don't have to worry about somebody coming out of the woodworks years from now. 
So you could probate the will still, uh, but uh, the only thing that they had that was that he couldn't get to the money or stuff, it would be the home that they had bought together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so title companies, if we had to sell that property at a later date, will often rely upon an affidavit of heirship. Now, that's not it's spelled H-E-I-R, uh, S-H-I-P, not heir like like heir, for thin air or anything like that. In other words, you could say under the laws of the state, that person would have inherited anyway. The spouse would have inherited anyway. Now, you have to swear that there's no debts. And again, kind of like we talked about in the heirship, uh, some of the other things we talked about, you kind of give the family history. All right, we were married on this date. Um, parents may or may not have predeceased. Children born of the marriage. I own this real estate. Lot A, Block B, Subdivision C of the beautiful states of Dallas, Dallas County, Texas is recorded in Volume 1, page 2, whatever. And the um, you have that legal description in the affidavit as well as saying that there are no debts. It has to be where there's no debts. Otherwise, you would have to probate. In this case, there were no debts. And we'd say, okay, we could do – and a disinterest, two disinterested witnesses again would confirm, is generally what the title companies require, that everything you said was true. So, yeah, I had a will, but there was no need to probate the will. Or perhaps even if I, if I did or didn't have a will, I'd say, if I didn't have a will, I'd say I didn't have a will, but there was no need to probate. This is only in situations like when you have, like, let's say a homestead. Uh, otherwise, uh, and that was, the let's say, the only asset because uh, a lot of times others won't recognize an affidavit of heirship. Mm-hmm. So, but title companies will. If the bank, if you had uh, $80,000 in a bank account, Remember, we told you that the small state's affidavit uh, and order would not work. And this is a different type of affidavit, but generally we just say uh, title companies will recognize it. But some title companies are concerned that there will be creditors within the – if there's going to be a complaint, it will be in the first two years, first year or two after death. So if it's within that – if you have a title company like that, then they may make you probate the will because they're concerned if they're going to issue good title to real estate, they don't want to warrant that there's not going to be – that there's good title if somebody's going to sue and maybe get something on that title. Mm-hmm. So uh, so sometimes uh, we tell people well, you can either look to see if you can find a title company that would accept an affidavit of heirship immediately or maybe you wait a year or perhaps two depending upon uh, to, to sign that affidavit. The problem is, too, if you wait too long, is that less people will know the deceased. So, you know, you had somebody, you could, now you could do it, you know, let's say it was 20 years, somebody died 20 years ago, you could still do an affidavit of heirship, but less people will know the person who died uh, over time is because people die off or move or become disabled themselves. Okay. So you could do an affidavit of heirship. There are other alternatives to transferring property besides wills and trust. So, for example, uh, on a car, you could have a beneficiary designation through the Department of Motor Vehicles. I want the car to go to so-and-so. So there's a transfer of vehicle on death. You don't have to get their permission to sell the property. Just go, and if you change your mind, buy another car, you don't have to get their approval. Mm-hmm. So that can avoid, if you're concerned about a will, you could have a just a beneficiary designation. Let's say the only asset you had was a car. Mm-hmm. If it's a spouse, you might have it joint with or somebody else that you had joint ownership with. You could have joint ownership with the right of survivorship. Whoever the survivor is gets the car. So that's another way to avoid probate on a car. You could actually do this on 
real estate too. You could have uh, sometimes people have transfer on death deeds, and some people have what we call ladybird deeds. Some people have life estate deeds, all a little bit different as to what they do, I might add. So it gets a little bit more complicated, and there's different things as to what's important and when, when you could use it. But it, it, either any one of those things, say, uh, my property goes to so-and-so upon my death. So even on real estate. So these are different alternatives to... Of course, there's beneficiary designations, etc. Now, you might say, well, then if that's the case, I don't need a will or trust at all. But the problem with that is that you don't take in consideration who the beneficiary is. Is the beneficiary going to blow it? Are they going to be a spendthrift? Are they going to be disabled? What if they die first? What if they uh, have a marital problem? Lots of different issues. And uh, what if they're on public benefits? What, you know, uh, lots of different issues. It's not just passing a property upon death. We have to consider the bigger picture. And that's where a lot of people get all confused. They don't think about the big picture. They just think about how are we going to pass things. Now, we just talked about this just because you said, okay, we started talking about small estates affidavit on small estates. And we said, oh, gee, well, now this gets into lots of other areas, and there's lots of other issues to consider, and what happens if, and this and that. Um, You know, so everybody's situation is different, but we have to say everybody, because we kind of say, well, tell me more about your family. Tell me about, do you mind if you have that um, retirement account go to your child, but you, let's say your let's say you, your son, but you don't like that daughter-in-law. But if it goes directly, the son he may give it to the to the his spouse. Typically, you give everything to your spouse, but you don't want that. You want it to go to your grandchildren. Is there a way we could do that? Yeah, there's different types of trust you could do where your IRA could go into a trust and say you could say how it goes, and you could protect that child in case he had a bad marriage or. His spouse may have gotten remarried. You want to make sure things go to your mm-hmm. grandchildren. So it's not just the IRA beneficiary said it goes to children after my spouse. Okay, that avoids probate, but did we protect who we wanted to protect? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everybody's situation is different. Everybody's situation is different, and I bet there are a lot of listeners out there who never heard of a beneficiary designation. What's that? Where'd that come from? And that's a brilliant, specific approach to someone's estate plan and something many people should consider and what I'm sure you bring up quite often in that vision meeting that follows the workshop, which I want to now talk about because I think every listener should attend the next one. And we know when that is. That is Saturday at 10 o'clock on April the 27th. So that's a few weeks away. And we want you to sign up for that workshop based on what you heard today or based on what you've been thinking about or as we talked about in previous show because things have changed since the last time you looked at your estate plan or an attorney has looked at your estate plan. The way to do so is to dial 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up. And Michael, please tell them about these workshops and why they're so valuable. Well, we ask people what you want to know. Mm -hmm. And then we write down these questions on a board. And for two hours, we kind of go over the questions that anybody asks. Uh, And of course, every, every workshop is different. 
we often do talk about, for example, these beneficiary designations because they're often very important. Very. If you had a life insurance policy that said your wife from three wives ago, <laughs> uh, that life insurance beneficiary designation supersedes your will. And people don't a lot of times don't realize it and don't follow up on those things. But in any event, we talk about whatever it is that's important to you. What is it that you want to know about estate planning? It could be anything about, you know, things like we've talked about today. It could be about wills or trust, or it could be about public benefits, it could be about protecting your family, protecting your assets, protecting whatever it is that's important to you. To fulfill your wishes. That's right. You remember, mm-hmm. an estate plan is doing with the what you want. Mm-hmm. You're in control of your assets during your life. You want things to go, uh, you want things to be control, controlled by you for your, your benefit during your lifetime, uh, as long as you are, unless you're disabled, but we have to plan in case you're disabled, in addition to what happens when you die. So we, that's a lot of times people forget about that. And and then to go to the loved ones that you want whenever you at the terms on your terms and conditions. Um, and so that's just a matter of personal preference. Again, all you have to do to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop is to call that 214-720-0102 number. That's 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. Of course, you get a free KAAM coffee mug, which yep. is, I know is why people are going. It is. It's the only reason why they go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. chokes you up. You're so yeah, excited yeah, about it. Yeah, that's right. People are lining up, clamoring. They don't come to the KAAM radio station for these workshop, for these uh, coffee mugs. They're just going to the workshop yes. uh, because that's where they know that they're, it's, it's easier accessible, and I'm sure that's the reason. That's fake news. No doubt about it. <laughs> um, we've got about five or ten minutes. I want you to please do me and the listeners a favor again and let the benefit beneficiary designation concept, which is just so great, and remind them, we've done the whole shows on it, but you refer to it, please elaborate on Lady Bird Deeds and why they're so brilliant. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, a lot of people don't know what a um, enhanced, li- it's an enhanced life estate deed. Let's say you have a home, you have a home, uh, a home doesn't count as a resource for Medicaid. Now, you sometimes it doesn't matter um you, you do these things not for medicaid purposes but uh you're the it basically says you're in control of your property let's say you have a home and you don't have to just have it on a home by the way uh your real estate and it says i have the right to live there for my life i have my home i have a right to live there for my life and it goes to my benefit whoever it is that you want to go to upon my death if I sell the property, I get all the proceeds. If I mortgage the property, I get the proceeds. If I lease the property, I get the proceeds. If I want to change my mind, I could do whatever I want. I'm in total control. And then upon my death, it goes to whoever it is that you want to go to. Now, if the only asset you had was your home, that could be one use for Lady Bird Deed. Uh, another would be if you were ever on Medicaid, because for Medicaid, they go after they may go after your home after you die. The home doesn't count as an asset when you apply for Medicaid mm-hmm. generally. But if after your death the state can make a claim and basically uh, if if the claim is large enough, basically take your home to get the government to be repaid for what they paid for your care. Let's say if you're in a nursing home or getting home health care or drug costs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times the government can go after it. But they only go after things that go by will or intestate if you don't have a will. So a deed, it lead, 
goes by deed of death, and it doesn't go by will of death. And since you're in control, it has it's not um, it's still taxed exactly the same way you are now. If you have over 65 in homestead, you still get those benefits. If the property's gone up in value, you get a what they call a step up in basis. You get the values of the date of death. You avoid probate. So it makes it more difficult. Maybe it could be that you're concerned that somebody is going to contest a will. And your your will says, the home goes to this child, uh, and uh, you make the ladybird deed consistent with that. Uh, but if you probated that will, it could be that some of the other children says, no, that's not right. They were had undue influence or dress. Well, the ladybird deed, it's harder to change because you're not going to probate Great. the will. Love it. So it avoids the state recovery. Uh, it has no adverse tax consequences uh, and maybe could be used to make things easier and things to go the way you want on your terms and conditions, uh, even if, um, you know. And this could be done, uh, by the way, on other properties as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladybird deeds can be actually even executed if permitted in your power of attorney, whereas a um, so even if you lack capacity, you could put in the power of attorney that you could do this at a later date. Good. Uh, but in a transfer on death deed, which is a deed that also goes directly to whomever, you cannot use a power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And on a ladybird deed, the title goes all the way back to, you know, like the land grants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whereas a transfer on death deed, you only get the good title as the person that had it before you. So a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Every situation is different. And it's different than a just a regular life estate deed. I'm getting probably too detailed, mm-hmm. whereas, whereas you don't have the elements control mm-hmm. that you would in a ladybird deed. Michael knows this stuff. He's not reading one thing. Uh, he literally foams at the mouth talking about this stuff because he knows it so well. And I challenge you, go ahead and, and research this online, search it, um, and then at, uh, you'll f- and f- whatever you ascertain, still attend his next workshop and confirm with Michael. So here's what I found, and then he can tell you whether it's right or wrong because there are so many levers to pull, so many solutions out there, and he knows all of them. I almost promise you that he's still on top of things i know i'm bragging about him but this is true and he's probably going to throw out the disclaimer now but i'm saying it anyway because i know him and trust him so much so do that and attend his next workshop sign up for that now before it's too late and then you if because these fill up quickly and you'll have to roll over to the next one in may which uh, may not work out for your schedule that is april the 27th that is a saturday at 10 o'clock dial 214-720-0102 Seven two zero zero one zero two, or sign up on DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com, or as you said, two one four seven two zero zero one zero two for that two free hours of uh, state planning, whatever it is that you want to know about, and then for those who do attend, get a free one-on-one meeting if they would like to go over their own individual situation. And the theme of the program today was no estate is too small. Don't assume that yours is. Just attend his next workshop. It'll be two hours. Very well spent. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. When we declare doing it your way, as Christians, such is actually and should always be God's way. It's imperative that our planning includes implementing indisputable biblical principles, such as leaving a financial gift for your church from your estate, 
Not doing so would certainly be considered poor stewardship, which no believer wants to be held accountable for. So call Michael Cohen's office to sign up for the next Essential Estate Planning Workshop to ensure your estate is in complete Christian accordance today. Dial 214-720-0102. 214-720-0102. And be certain to listen to Michael Cohen right here on 770-KAAM.